Welcome to The Bill Walton Show, featuring conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, artists and thinkers. Fresh perspectives on money, culture, politics and human flourishing. Interesting people, interesting things. Welcome to The Bill Walton Show. I'm Bill Walton. Well, I'm back today with my great good friend and my favorite all-time polymath, uh, Dr. Jay Richards, uh, who's an expert in so many things. And Jay has uh, written a soon-to-be-published book called uh, Fight the Good Fight, uh, How an Alliance of Faith and Reason Can Win the Culture War, and he's, he's writing it with uh, James Robinson. Mm -hmm. uh, Jay, we, we, uh, you've got a new gig. Mm -hmm. you're, now, you're now at Heritage, and we talked about summarizing your title, but I really want to do justice to the whole new title. Oh, no. Director Richard and Helen DeVoe, Center for Life, Religion, and Family, and the William E. Simon Senior Research Fellow in Religious Liberty and Civil Society. Yeah, that's a paragraph, isn't it? So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think it does you justice. I mean, as you, we've, you, what, this is five or six times we've been talking together. Yeah, at least. The first time we talked, was my second show, and mm. we did it out in Rappahannock County. Yes. And the great segment was when your daughters came on, <laughs> uh, and we they were homeschooling. Yeah. And I was very interested in what it was like to be homeschooled, and they were fabulous. Now, I understand one of your daughters is where? She is at the Heritage. So my older daughter is at the Heritage Foundation. She's a research uh, associate in the Simon Center, which is different from the William Simon Fellow. It's a different Simon. <laughs> um, and writing on lots of really interesting and somewhat controversial topics. And actually, my younger daughter, uh, who is a college student, is is interning at Heritage uh, this summer, actually. So uh, they probably fabulous. are not going to like the fact that I mentioned this. But <laughs> well, that's all right. Yeah, well, I, I'm very I'm proud of you, but I'm, I'm really proud of them. It's great. They're charming. It's great to see how, how well they've uh, worked out. Well, homeschooling, uh, you know, it, it, it pays dividends. I, you know, they didn't believe it at the time, but turns out you can have a good and normal and flourishing life. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> uh, Jay's book is a big book. It's a short book, but it covers the covers everything that needs to be covered in the fight for our liberty and, and how faith and um, reason seem to have been shoved out of the public square. Um, we can't cover everything in the book, so I thought what we do is cover just a couple of, I think, really essential things that mm. we all need to know more about. Uh, the first one is Jay's written an article recently, which relates to the book. Title is "Why States Must Define Sex Precisely." Now, the question we're all asking is, why on earth are we talking about the definition of of what's a man and what's a woman? Uh, and we're going to get into that. We're going to do this in two segments today. The first one we'll talk about men and women, mm -hmm. and then the second segment is something I've covered and Jay's covered in the past together and separately: uh, climate change. And in particular, I want to get into the notion that radical climate change, it is a radical agenda. You begin to realize how anti-human it is. And I think just as importantly, it totally throws the habitat and species protection um, cares under the bus mm -hmm. in the interest of wind and solar. And you look at what it's doing to habitat and species, I think climate change uh, is going to deserve a second look. Mm, absolutely. So, Jay, let's start with why on earth we're, <laughs> I know why, but yeah. I, can, can, anyway, pick it up from there. Yeah, why, so why do we need to define male and female? Well, you know, everyone that has not been hiding on a rock knows 
that our institutions are now almost entirely suffused and saturated with something we'll call gender ideology. And gender ideology is just, just this idea that a person's true identity is this internal subjective sense they have of their gender, called the gender identity, rather than the fact that we are free bodily sexed beings. So instead of sex, instead of male and female, right, as a biological reality, uh, we are these things called gender identities, and sex is a mere social construct called sex assigned at birth. So that's, that's gender ideology. It's worked its way into all of our institutions, whether it be school or media uh, or now governmental institutions. In fact, it's a high priority, if not the top priority, of the Biden administration. So what the Biden administration has been in the process of doing is redefining sex where it occurs in federal law, uh, and regulations to include gender identity. This is the key thing. So sex didn't need to be defined before, say in Title IX, the law some 50 years ago, uh, that guarantees women sort of equal treatment in federally funded programs, high schools and colleges, things like that. It's about making sure women have equal opportunity in colleges. Well, the, the people that wrote and passed Title IX didn't think to define what a woman is. They didn't think to define what male and female are because it wasn't contested. You don't bother to define terms when everybody knows what it is. Well, it's now contested. And so if sex can include or be a gender identity under Title IX, that means that a man who wants to compete in female sports um, and is denied that will be have his civil rights violated simply if he identifies as a woman. So it doesn't require that he be a woman to compete against women in women's sports. It simply requires that he identify as such. And how do you figure that out? Well, if he says he's a woman, then he's a woman. It's that simple. That's gender ideology. Um, on the other hand, if you think, well, no, we segregated sports in the first place because males and females are different, and it would be unfair and unjust for women, certainly in high school and absolutely in college, to have to compete against males. We just wouldn't have uh, significant female sports. Uh, that's just one example of this. Well, let's let's set. The, you talked about gender construct. Yes, I mean construct's an interesting word. It, the French gave us that, didn't mm -hmm. they? This was back into uh, sort of French, uh, yeah, this, radical French. Absolutely, uh, this is deconstruction. I, I won't just blame the French, the Germans, and the well, Austrians. The Ger oh, that's right. Yeah, the so Germans we've got critical, were, yeah. we've got critical theory in here, and we've got some French postmodern. So this is here. this is part of a mosaic of a, of a deconstruction to deconstruct every institution That's in right. society. Queer every category is, and this is the, the verb. What do you mean? Text. That's the verb. To, what do you mean? Queer. To queer that is to queer everything. This is queer theory. So here I'm not using. That's not the pejorative. That's the the verb that is used by the ideologues. To queer is to decenter or destabilize our categories of reality. So you're thinking sex. You're thinking boy and girl. What they're thinking is that this, this internal sense of gender identity and mere stereotypes that have been imposed upon us by doctors, namely sex assigned at birth. So no sex, rather we're going to have gender identity and sex assigned at birth. That, this is part of the program. Um, you can see the same kind of thing happening, certainly in other disciplines. But and they, and they, start, they started out, other disciplines, yeah. you know, this started out deconstructing Literature, Shakespeare, yeah, whatever, and it was all, everything, the meaning of text. Yeah, absolutely. And everything, nothing had any reality. Everything was text. Yes. And it's just, it was, and in, in, in particular, something, something like Shakespeare was just to show the white 
male power hierarchy and how that was oppressive. That's and right. every single one of Shakespeare plays, regardless whether it's a comedy or tragedy, was to was was to uh, drive home that uh, hierarchical uh, agenda. That's right. And there's a mix here, Bill, because um, if you want to sort of reduce Marxism um, to something called conflict theory. So let's say that all the kind of varieties of Marxism, at bottom, what they posit is that you really can only properly explain social reality, human beings uh, in society and in culture, in terms of a conflict between two primary groups. It might be the bourgeoisie versus the proletariat. It might be whites versus blacks, gay versus straight, male uh, versus female. That's the kind of conflict theory. Um, so, Marx so when we get at the radical economics. division, I want to keep yeah. you keep going. I just want to. So if they define it as conflict between two groups, oppressed and uh, you know oppressors, Oppressor. that really kind of gets at why we're so divided right now. Absolutely, is that everything's been deliberately bifurcated. Absolutely, and it's a it's a it's a cartoonish type of sociology to to imagine one that conflict is really the only powerful explanatory category, and two that people can be reduced to these two groupings. But of course, Marxism just said, well, the, the most meaningful conflict is the conflict over the economic relations, the owners versus the workers, right? Cult, So-called cultural Marxism with Gramsci and, and the uh, critical theory. They Antonio said, well, Gramsci, Antonio 1920s, Gramsci, yes, Italian, wrote Italian all this, Marxist, wrote all exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And basically said, well, you know, the real stuff in society are these cultural institutions. And so what cultural Marxism is, despite the media's efforts to say that it's an anti-Semitic slur. It's not. It just describes this turn in the kind of sort of Marxist school away from focusing on economic conflict and toward social and racial and other kinds of cultural conflicts. Gender ideology is, is uh, an, an inheritor of that intellectual tradition plus French postmodernism, which with the focus on language and text, and then this kind of radical relativism in which all you have in a sense, are these social constructs. You don't have a real thing. Like, you don't have a real biology that describes things. And then what follows relativism? Because nobody's really a relativist. They're just relativist about your views, uh, is a kind of radical totalitarian spirit, right? So if everything's just power plays and language games, then somebody's going to have power, and it's going to be arbitrary. It might as well be us. Um, and so that's the kind of, you combine that. So imagine critical theory and cultural Marxism, French postmodernism, and then the totalitarian uh, spirit that always follows relativism because it's not stable. That's where you get critical race theory, gender ideology, queer theory. There's a dozen of these. And you can identify them either because they have the word theory in them uh, or because they, if they're in an academic setting, they have the word studies <laughs> after them. Studies. So you don't have physics yeah, studies, studies, but you'll have yeah. women's studies or gender studies. So explain the queer verb again. Yes. Queer so of course, queer, was queer a, means to, to queer what? is to destabilize or to decenter categories, essentially. So queering sex would be to say, okay, there's no stable categories. Uh, queering consent uh, or queering the, the distinction between adults and children, which is that's the sort of cutting edge, right? That these... These categories we have are oppressive. Well, next it's going to become between animals and humans. Yeah, I think that's probably already here. And since the animals can't fight back, they've already, <laughs> frankly, moved. <laughs> they don't have a representative. And so they've moved very quickly to the barrier between uh, children and adults. So we've set the, the, the sex issue, and I do want to dig into the yes. distinctions. 
into the context of deconstructing, destroying all the all the Western institutions. Yeah, and just and not just Western institutions, just the deliverances of natural reason. So you know, male and female, for instance. You, you don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to be a Westerner to understand that they're males and females. This is a simple deliverance of reason. Um, and of course, you know, for the gender ideologues, um, these are you know sort of part and parcel of Western oppressive structures. But that shows you how bad the argument is that they would attribute even things that everyone in all times and places knows and understands that they would disparage that as you know Western logocentric logic chopping oppressive categories. This is not serious philosophy. This is certainly not serious, serious well, the whole science. Cultural, the whole cultural yeah. Marxism is a power. It's, a, it's, a, it's it all is. about power. It's a cultural wrecking ball. And when I talk, yeah. give lectures on this, people often say, well, that seems strange. Because like, you can immediately think of contradictions in the view. It seems incoherent. And I, I say, look, don't imagine this is going to be some tight philosophical system. It's, even, it's not even like traditional Marxism in that way, which, you know, Marx thought were, was true science. Um, it's a cultural wrecking ball. That's what these are. These are the utopians used for whatever tools are at hand to destroy the present order, and then they imagine that whatever their imagined utopia, that, that will somehow take its place. Well, you know James Lindsay. Yes, absolutely. He's Good yeah, friend. he's fantastic. Yes. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, this is all about power. He is. And, and Lindsay is actually probably the, the, if not one of, then the best sort of anal uh, yeah. analyst of these things. He's really, really good and gets way down in the weeds. But honestly, for people that want to get down in the weeds, uh, listening to Lindsay, you can, yeah, you can't. can't he's, better than that. he's, he's, he's in the weeds. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, but I it love, has we to love it. I need, mean, that's the reality. We need to do it. He's we done need the to work do it. To get to and the point. reason this is hard to fight is or resist is because it's protean. It, it, right? It's always constantly moving and changing. The the people on the other side will claim, well, you don't understand us, or how dare you label us with a term. Um, they're doing that with gender ideology right now. How dare you use that term? Well, the, th you know, the thing about all this, and I find, you know, I've, I've, I'm a business guy, essentially, and spent a lot of time in private equity, finance, Wall Street, et cetera. So I tend to be very practical, mm -hmm. I guess. Did some time as a CEO. Yeah. And I, I remember the joke, Bill Cosby's now since been, I guess. Anyway, this is the Bill Walton Show, and I'm about to tell a I think I hope a good joke. I'm here with Jay Richards. And, involving Bill Cosby. Involving so Bill Cosby. I'm in We're talking about sexual differences between men and women, so this could get me. Anyway, so Bill Cosby, I'm listening to his album, you know, from the early 60s when he was quite funny. And I guess he went to Hofstra or one of the... Yeah, or Hofstra. He was a football or, or, player. Or Temple. I have, did he have Temple. A he went to Temple. Temple. Hofstra yeah. was the enemy. Yeah. Anyway, so he was telling a story about being in a philosophy class at Temple. And the professor said... Why is there air? And everybody's supposed to be thinking about that. And Bill said, I don't know, blow up footballs, basketballs. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of find I yeah. kind of find myself in that category that we're right. having to talk about the the sexual difference between men and women yes. and what is the distinction. But there's a but that's part of the power agenda. Absolutely. It's part of the power agenda and it matters how these are defined because of the laws we have. That's exactly right. It's absolutely crucial. And because the difference between male and female is now contested, states need to define it in state law because they use the terms, right? If you're in the state of Montana or Oklahoma, they've used male, female, men, women, they use the terms. You'd be surprised that almost no states have actually nailed these down tight. But here's the, the sort of more frustrating thing is everyone tacitly knows what men and women are. 
But coming up with your tacit understanding is not the same as coming up with a tight definition that captures the thing, sort of captures reality at its joints. And so it's actually much harder to define male and female than the average person would think. And so very often, if, say, state legislators are going to come up with a bill to do this, they will wander into the traps set for them by the opposition by failing to define these things precisely. So there's two definitions that the subjective notions are one internal sense of gender called gender identity. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second is sex assigned at birth. Right. That, that, so that's, those are categories provided by gender ideologues as substitutes for what we think of as biological sex. That is, that, that sex is this thing that's just you find, you find out there in the world that can actually be accurately described. They say, no, we have this subjective internal sense of gender. That's your gender identity. And then what sex is is really just something that's assigned to us at birth based upon sort of anatomical stereotypes that doctors apparently learned in medical school and then sort of imposed upon us. And so it's, this is the sort of key thing to understand. Gender ideology denies the reality or at least the adequacy of describing human beings as male and female in biological terms. That sounds crazy and extreme to people, so they think that can't be what's happening. That is exactly what's happening. It's why they are loath to use the word sex. They will talk about sex assigned at birth instead. So, but the what they hang their hat on here is in part the fact that as, as, as boys and girls are born, there's a certain percentage of them that are born with some sort of deformity. Yeah, or, yeah some and ambiguous. It's, it's an infinitesimal amount. I think it's like point. Zero one eight. That's right. Zero point like zero one, one eight. One in one hundred thousand or yeah, one in ten thousand. Yeah, it's very small. It's yeah. a handful of, of kids that have what are properly called have disorders of sexual development that can either be just disorders that happened when they were developing in their mother's womb, or it can be a chromosomal abnormality. And so, what gender ideologues want to do is confuse you so that you, people are vaguely aware that there are these disorders of sexual development that seem to. Be, it seemed to people to be exceptions to the way we normally identify males and females will make you think that the idea of a gender identity is somehow related to this. It's not. Um, and then confuse everyone so that suddenly they're actually denying that sex is binary in humans, which is just insane. It's not true. Yeah. Uh, every biologist knows it's not true. And yet now we've even got official scientific organizations like Scientific American um, falling for this stuff and actually perpetuating this nonsense. And so you can see why it's really important that we nail this down. It's important for the benefits, especially uh, of women, uh, women in bathrooms, women in prisons, women in sports, uh, all are at risk because of this. And so that's, those are a few of the reasons we have to well, do Well, who that. are the thought police on this? Because we have a, our most recent Supreme Court justice in her hearing yes. saying she couldn't define a woman. Because she wasn't a biologist, right? Now, that was a tell. Because she implied that, well, if you were a biologist, you would know how to define it. Do you think she was that clever? No, she's not. <laughs> no, and I assume she's clever in her area. She was clever enough to know that this was a trap, right? Because sure. either she says, well, there are, you know, there are no women. Women are just people who identify as women. Then they'd say, okay, well, so if, we, if a man had applied for this position and, and identified as a woman, would he be a woman justice? She can't, couldn't say that. Right, but she and so she, and so she couldn't define it in one way, she, but she couldn't define it biologically because then she'd be violating the canons of gender orthodoxy, um, and so she was acutely aware of that. And so that's why Matt Walsh's film is so great because he realizes 
asking Matt the Walsh, question. Explain Matt. Yeah, Walsh. Matt Walsh, uh, the Daily uh, Wire, of course, right. is this great documentary. What is a woman? We just ask lots of people this question. <laughs> Everybody's seen it, I assume. It's amazing, but because, precisely because it it forces people onto the horns of one or the other dilemma that they they don't want to be on if they're committed to gender ideology, or at least if they don't want to offend the gender ideologues, which is what I assume we had uh, in this hearing before the, the Supreme Court, is that, of course, the judge, now justice, she, under, she knows what a woman is, obviously. She knows she's a woman, uh, but she knew she couldn't clearly answer the question without you know, getting gored on one of the horns of the dilemma. So if we stick with what, if, if, if they prevail, and there's a blurred distinction between men and women, whatever you yeah. feel you are that day is what you are, what are the practical implications of that? The practical implications are that if a man uh, it is a rapist uh, and is a raped and murdered woman that's in life in prison, in a men's prison, identifies as a woman, he will have to be moved to a women's prison. That has to be done. If a boy is 13 and his teacher tells him he might be born in the wrong body um, and he's really a girl, then he's really a girl, according to his gender identity, then the proper way to help him medically would not be to help him adjust to his bodily reality. It would be to transform his social surroundings and his body to conform to his internal gender identity. It requires that any male identifying as a, as a woman be allowed to compete in women's sports, on and on and on, women's bathrooms, women's locker rooms. Um, all the things that we intuitively understand, we know why we separate men and women in bathrooms. We know why we separate men's and women's sports. It's based on, it's based on justice and a recognition of these fundamental differences between men and women. That's being denied here. And so it's basically any, any public institution for which the distinction between men and women matters is going to be destroyed if the agenda of the gender ideologues succeed. Well, then, <laughs> I'm just pondering. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, they... <laughs> You're responding like any good boomer normally responds to this conversation, right? It's just sort Speechless. of stunned silence, yes. Well, I can't believe where we are where we are. Yeah, I mean, no, exactly. And I can tell you, Bill, I, I've noticed and, this. And by the way, yeah. one thing I was thinking about whether I should tell this, but I read something, I'm forced to read all this stuff because of this. Right. I'm trying yeah. to do this show and I'm trying to find interest. <laughs> Well, you know, the transition, the actual transition from biological female to the purportedly, or I'm sorry, biological male to purportedly female is not very satisfying physically. No. I mean, they no, don't quite get not, all the equipment. You can't do this. So you create, <laughs> at best, uh, partial facsimiles. And, right? the, and, and the reverse yeah. is and the reverse. Well. You can chop things off. Uh, <laughs> you can cut parts of body your body off and try to create a facsimile of other things. I'm trying not to be too graphic. But you know we can't we can't reproduce these organs. Needless to say, so let's talk about what the precise, correct precise yes. definition is. Okay, so here's the key thing: we don't define sex in terms of chromosomes. For some reason, everybody thinks that's how you define it. They think, oh, this is all easy: x, 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 y. Um, no, that 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 is what x, x, and x, y are. Is those are kind of part of the the pathways uh, under normal development by by uh, which sex is, is developed. But we all knew what sex was and could recognize it before we knew about chromosomes, right? Um, and so you define sex, and we should understand sex in terms of, biologically, you'd say the phenotype. 
phenotypes. So these particular phenotypes, phenotypes these okay. not genotypes, right? But and what's phenotype? Stru- what's bottle, pheno mean? The, I think of the body structure. Okay. That's the best All way right. to think of this, okay. right? And so what sex is, is it's the reproductive strategy that mammals and many other organisms, including humans, have developed that we have for reproducing. And so it refers to these two body, body structures or body systems and corresponding gametes. So a male is a member of the species that under nor- normal development uh, produces small, relatively mobile gametes called sperm and has a body structure and an endocrine system and hormonal profile that corresponds to that. The female is the member of the species that under normal development produces large, relatively immobile gametes called ova. There are exactly two. We have exactly two uh, gametes. There's not a third one. There are no ergs. There's no spems, right? There's no, there's no third or fourth gamete. So that's why we say sex is binary in human beings. It's one or the other. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't developmental anomalies that make it more difficult to tell if someone for example, for example, for example, example, uh, chromosomal anomalies in which you have uh, XXY or XYY, or you can have, a, believe it or not, you can have an XX male if what's the, the SRY gene on the Y chromosome moves over to the X chromosome. Um, you can have an XY female. So there are exceptions that will destroy your definition. So if you're defining something, all you need to show that the definition is inadequate is to have a single counterexample. Counter and most people, because they haven't really thought carefully about this, they vaguely remember, well, I remember the XXXY thing. That must be it. That's fairly simple. Most of the time, you could use that chromosomal screening, screening to figure out if someone's male or female, but that's not the definition of it because there are exceptions. And so this is the sort of thing that's baffling to people. Or you might say, well, men, uh, women are people that can nurse and, and get pregnant. Well, that's true. Uh, only uh, of the set of individuals called women, only women can get pregnant. And there are no men who can get pregnant and bear children. But there are women who can't bear children. So a woman that's had a hysterectomy, for instance. And so if you defined woman as every person that can have children, you're going to Not all can. Okay. Right, you can't yeah. do it. Either you're a, a female that has not gone through puberty or a woman that <clears throat> for various reasons can't do that. So that's, see, it seems like, gosh, this is really kind of complicated and do we need to go into this detail? Absolutely. And legislators and politicians and that people are talking about this you, have to We've got this. 20 state legislatures that have worked on this. So we have, it, as of today, about 20 states that have and restricted. And you're working with them. Yes, and have restricted uh, medical procedures for minors for so-called gender-affirming care. So cross-sex hormones, puberty blockers, and uh, transition surgeries. So that that's a kind of manifestation of gender ideology in pediatric medicine. But even those bills, for the most part, don't define male and female precisely. And so that's something that I've been saying for a while, states need to do this. And that you can't just define sex vaguely and say it has to do with reproduction and chromosomes or something. No, you have to say what a male is, what a female is, and it's, it's got to be objective. It's got to be based on the facts of biology. Now, what's going to happen if this happens? Well, states will define it in one way. The federal government's going to define it under Biden in a different way. There's going to be a fight in the courts, as there is in all these things, but the fight ought to be over biological reality, and that's, that's the fight that our side wins because we've got biological reality on their side, They've got a weird and incoherent postmodern philosophy on theirs. Well, and it's not just postmodern. It's mystical and mythological. I've oh, got yeah. a friend who I, I like a lot, and she 
very poetic, reads all these different things. And I said, I want to, I'm going to do a show on same sex or, or, or the difference between men and women. She says, oh, no, there are many cultures that have many sexes. It's not true. Like yeah. Central Indians. They yes. have, you know, yeah. or, or African tribes. They have many, many cultures. No. And, and I, my yeah. answer was, well, they may have mythologies, mm-hmm. but those are not their realities. Yeah. Was I mean, that the right answer? Sort of. They sort even of. Okay, in that, but even in those cultures, they recognize males and females. They may not know biology, but everyone knows males and females. What they have so is what these they sort doing? of categories for, say, a man that wants to live as a woman, right? So we've always had a small set of people that are uncomfortable being their biological sex and want to present as something else. Yeah. And so there are a couple of cultures that even have terms for that sort of third thing. It's not a third sex. And if you ask people in that culture, they would understand that. But people, unfortunately, in the West have gotten all these terms messed up in their heads, and they think sex is the same as gender identity. Well, well the libertarian in me thinks, well, if you want to live as a female and you're male, I'm okay with that. Well, but it, we just don't need to change all our laws. Well, this is, yeah, that, right. If you're an adult, and like if a man says, I, I want to appear as a woman, okay, is, are you just wanting to dress like a woman and um, live and let live, or do I have to pretend that you're actually a woman? Right? That's what you're saying. I, okay, I'm not going to actually think you're a woman. I'm not going to lock you up in jail for doing. And don't that. make That's me use. Cult. Don't make me use the preferred pronoun. No, exactly. If I Which, want to, fine, but don't. But don't do it. You, you know, cannot be compelled to do it. Putting they want to make all, you do all it. their emails. That's right. They they make you do it, and so that and that's what this is about. This has never been about uh, the one in a hundred thousand adult men, for the most part, that wants to cross dress. It's never been about drag queen shows behind closed doors, right? It's about the sexualization of children and the destruction of the reality of the sexual binary in our culture, in our language, and in our laws. That's what it's about. Okay. Well, um, keep up the fight. I'm going to, we'll, we need to win this. <laughs> yeah, we'll we know why they're there. <laughs> Absolutely. We know why it's there. And, it, and it's not just for footballs and basketball. <laughs>